so good. Thank you guys so much for leading us in worship. Go ahead and be seated if you would this morning and uh, welcome to Christ Church. My name is Jeremy and if you're joining us in the building or online this morning, welcome. Just great to be gathered together. I'm one of the pastors on staff here and uh, Pastor Brian is actually up in Traverse City at one of our sister churches and so if you think about him, be praying for him. Uh, this weekend, as, as Chris said, happy Memorial Day weekend to everyone. Hope you get a little bit of time uh, extra to rest, enjoy the time with the family, uh, and certainly remember what this holiday is all about. All right, grab your Bibles, go over to John chapter 14. We are in a series called Parting Words. This is the, uh, the Last Supper. This is Jesus with his disciples He's, he's, he's been betrayed. He's about to be delivered over to the Romans, about to be crucified. And, and this is his parting words. It's called the Upper Room Discourse. So important what Jesus talks about in, uh, in this section, this, this text of Scripture. Today we're going to be in John chapter 14. We're going to cover verses 5 through 7. Um, but before we get there, I wanted to just share this, this picture with you. I, you know, growing up, I had this picture on my wall in my home. It was, it's Leonardo da Vinci's. Uh, portrait of the Last Supper. If you could put that up for me. The Last Supper. It'll eventually, there it is, boom, got it. The Last Supper. You guys recognize that, that portrait? Have you ever seen that? Now, I never really paid much close attention to it. It was just always there. I thought, well, it's them having dinner. We'll put it by the dinner table because we're having dinner. You know, like that was what it was. But I actually spent some more time interpreting the art. Yeah, are you guys proud of me? I was interpreting art this week. This is amazing, okay? And, and I got this, oh, this is, this is the picture here that Leonardo da Vinci is, is capturing through painting of exactly what's going on in this text. Do you notice some distress on the disciples' faces? You notice some different emotion? You know, around the table, there's, there's anger, there's frustration, there's, there's, like what, there's confusion, what's going on? Jesus is pretty chill. He's like, guys, come on. Now, come on, guys. Right, like, what are you, guys, what are you freaking out about? I, you see the guy right to Jesus left there? Well, the two guys. The one guy's like, Jesus, you have one job, one job. Do what I want you to do. That's your one job, Jesus, right? And then the other guy, I think that's most like me. He's kind of like, hey, guys, let's, let's just hear him out. Okay, just, just, let's just hear him out, all right? Jesus, what are you talking about? <laughs> da Vinci does a great job of depicting the tone of the conversation and what's going on? They are distressed. They are troubled. They're frustrated. They're confused because Jesus is throwing them a major league curveball, and they've never seen a curveball before. They're like, "You, you say, say what? You, you're going to go to the cross, and you're going to die. You're going to be betrayed." Peter's like, "I'm following you all the way, Jesus." He's like, "Actually, you're going to deny me three times." Say, what? No. Where I'm going to go, you can't go. You can't go with me. They, see, you, you can understand their hearts are troubled. Now they're starting to freak out. Have you ever been in that place in life? Maybe you've been there. When your picture of what should happen or the way you think life is going to go, all of a sudden, that, that security blanket just begins to unravel very, very quickly. That's what's happening to them now is they're like, Jesus, you're going to set up your kingdom and you're going to overthrow the Romans and we're going to sit at your right hand and your left. This is going to be awesome. And Jesus is like, actually, I'm going to die. You're going to be scattered. I'm going to be crucified. And they're like, hold on, no, no. Jesus, that, that's not the way this is going to go. And he's like, oh, it is, it is, you know. 
So they're freaking out. Maybe you've been in that place where you are following Jesus and you're like, this is not what I expected. You are not doing what I think you should be doing. I don't know what's going on. I'm frustrated and confused. Maybe just kind of locate yourself at the dinner table tonight with Jesus in the painting. They've been following Jesus for about three years now and things are about to really, really get shaken up. So let's read over here in John chapter 14. We're gonna read verses five through seven. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. There's a lot in there. We're going to do our best to kind of cover that today, but let's pray and and just open our hearts as we approach this, uh, this text today. Lord, Lord Jesus, it's kind of like we're at the dinner table with you, Uh, and maybe in our lives right now, there could be some some serious unraveling or some serious trouble and distress and anxiety that we're feeling and walking through, and Lord, I pray that we would hear your voice today speaking peace to our hearts. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So just to kind of set the context back up, again, at the Last Supper, they're starting to freak out. In, in chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. So the, the context and, and the framing of what Jesus is talking about here is he's actually speaking peace and comfort to their hearts. That's what, why he's saying what he's saying. And then over in verse 4, you see Jesus say this, and you know the way where I'm going. You know the way where I'm going. That causes a lot of trouble. The last few verses, he's saying, you can't go where I'm going. They're all confused. They're like, we don't know where you're going. Now, isn't it awesome in life when everything is relatively predictable and secure and all the questions seem to be answered? You know where provision's coming from. You got a sense of just like, all is is good. It's kind of like you're laying in bed on Saturday morning as as a high schooler and you got that blanket and you're like sleeping in and then, and then your dad comes in. Your dad ever done this to you and just goes whoosh and rips your blanket right off you? Have ever, anybody else ever suffered the daddy, the daddy issues like what I've got today because of things like that, right? <laughs> daddy, we're, we're actually gonna talk about that a little bit later here. Jesus hits that over and over. But you see, security in life, at times for us, it's really based on us having all of the answers to all the questions and just feeling this, this everything is, is at equilibrium and then something comes along and just completely disrupts that. Or maybe you feel like it's always disrupted. I think I've given up on that, right? The answers to these questions, what is going on? Like, God, what are you doing? Where are you taking me? Where's this path leading me? When will this resolve? When will you deliver me from this? Why is this happening? Why me, God? Why is this happening to me? How am I going to make it through this? How long will I be in this trouble, this stress, this state of trouble that I'm in? Oh man, if our security in life is based on us having the answers to all of those questions, but that's going to be a troubled road, is it not? Man, when we don't have the answers to those questions and we don't get what God is doing and, and Jesus is taking a hard left, we're like, no, 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 you're supposed to be going this way. This is what's supposed to be happening. 
that leads to worry and fear and restlessness and anxiety. And what Jesus is saying to us in these verses, in the context here again, don't let your heart be troubled. What, he, what, he's, what he's saying here to us today as we look and kind of work our way through these few short verses, he's saying, focus on who you know, not what you don't know. Think about that for a minute. Focus on who you know, not what you don't know. If you want peace for your troubled heart, that's the beginning that's, it's not in figuring it out or getting back to where I feel like I'm in control and everything's at equilibrium and I just got to balance it just right. It's more about who you know than it is about what you know or don't know. So again, in verse four, Jesus, Jesus says this, he goes, and you know the way where I'm going. And they're, they're so confused at this point. They're like, I don't, what are you talking about, Jesus? And Thomas, you know, Thomas, if you've, if you've studied scripture, Thomas gets a little bit of a bad rap through history. He's, he's doubting Thomas because he was the one who was like, I'm not going to believe Jesus rose from the dead until I can see his hands and I can touch, touch his side. You know, Thomas was, was more of like a, a question asker, more of a skeptic. He's like, I need some proof. I don't want to just believe it based on feelings or based on what everybody else tells me. I kind of need to know for myself, right? That's actually really good. I'm really thankful for Thomas. Let's, maybe we can get the bad rap off Thomas. I'm so thankful that Thomas asked the questions he did. In fact, Jesus, I think, I think Jesus might have been baiting him. Jesus is kind of taking them all around. He's like, but you actually, you actually do know the way. And Thomas, in classic Thomas fashion, is like, Jesus, verse five, how, how, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? What he's saying is he's like, you, you're saying we know the way, we have no idea where you're going, let alone how to get there. Jesus, what are you talking about? We don't know the way. And Jesus is like, oh, yeah, yeah, you do. You know the way. Verse 4, you, you know the way. Thomas is like, no, we don't know the way. We don't even know where you're going. He's like, oh, but you do. You do. And you'll see Jesus' response there in a few minutes. Sometimes it feels like in our following of Jesus, though, we don't know where he's going or where he's taking us. And it's okay in those moments. It's okay to ask questions. Thank God for Thomas. He's asking questions. And we should be asking questions. Jesus welcomes our questions. That's the first kind of takeaway. Now, there's two kind of major categories of questions. One is like, you're honestly seeking and looking for information. And I think that was Thomas's heart. Thomas is like, I don't have any clue what you're talking about. You know, sometimes in, in class, you're like writing everything down and you're like, yep, 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 you have no clue what's going on. And then there's the one kid that's honest enough to be like, um, uh, I have no idea what you're talking about. That's Thomas, right? He really actually was wanting to know. And that's, that's actually the good kind of question. But then there's other kinds of questions that we ask that, you know, they're not really questions. They're actually more assumption statements that we're making in the form of a question. Like, where were you last night? Like, I know where you were, right? Like, you're actually making an assumption. Jesus is not about questions like that, but he is about questions where you're like, help me understand. This doesn't make any sense. He's okay. Jesus actually welcomes our questions. He's okay with it. He wants us to inquire. He's not even only okay with our questions. Get this. He's actually okay with us struggling through doubt and fear and uncertainty, confusion, the, the unanswered questions, because 
what he wants to reveal to us is who he is. And in the starting point of place, some questions may get answered over time. Oftentimes, the walk of faith, you, you look back and as you, you see in hindsight, like, oh, now I can see what God was doing. Now I can see how he was at work in the middle of that. But it's pretty clear in hindsight. But when you're looking out ahead of you, it's like, I don't have any idea. It's blurry and unclear and dark. That's the walk of faith. The walk of faith is trusting who Jesus is. It's focusing on who you know, not what you don't know. Jesus is okay with, um, with us struggling through. He's okay with us having the, the security blanket at times. Man, life, just sometimes the security blanket gets yanked. And it's not like God does these things to us per se, but it happens, it's life, and he's okay. He's okay with our struggle, and he's okay with the unanswered questions. We kind of have like a, a picture in our lives, maybe if you just stop and pause for a minute. We think, we think about our lives looking ahead, and when we write the story of our lives, it, it strangely enough and shockingly enough, we never write the difficulties in. Have you ever noticed that? Like, we don't go, you know what I really need is a good health crisis. That's what I really need in my life. Like, I really need to lose this job so that I can lose all my, my financial security and learn how to trust God for provision. That's what I really need. Lord, I'm going to be praying for that. Like, we don't do that, right? We don't write in health crisis, the death of a loved one. We don't write in the breakup of, of a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. We don't write in walking through an unwanted divorce or our parents getting divorced. We don't write those things in. We don't write in that one part, maybe like you're out of college and you've worked so hard and you got your degree and you got all this student debt now and you're like, I have absolutely no idea what I'm supposed to do with my life. I thought that that was what college was going to show me and now I'm super confused. We don't write that in. We certainly don't write in the part about how hard parenting is. Man, having kids is like, I can't wait to have kids. Talk to some people who have kids, right? You know? You don't write in the hard parts, but then we're shocked when those things happen. We're shocked. Like, oh, I can't believe this. Where are you, God? What's going on? Why are you letting this happen to me? How long is this going to take? How am I on this trial? And Jesus is like, I'm okay with the questions, and I'm okay that you're going to struggle through this a little bit. So let me ask you this question. What has you, what has you wound tight today? What has you flustered and frustrated and so you're struggling with fears and doubts and anxiety. And what is going on? Where is this leading? When? Why? Why me? And how long? And you know, there's this one little phrase that if we can learn this one little phrase, I, this changed my life. And I would even be more honest and say it's actually still it's changing my life. Because personally, I've I've battled through the years with fear and worry, and anxiety, and man, God has done such a work in my heart in that. And I've learned this little phrase that I wanted to share with everyone today, that this phrase, this phrase is life-changing. You guys ready? It's three words. You ready for this? When you're in that place where you're like, I have no idea what's going on, where, where God is, I don't know why this is happening to me. All I know is I'm really stressed and really frustrated and really anxious about what's happening. Here's Here's the answer to those questions, the what, where, why, when, why, how. Here it is. You guys ready? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. 
I don't know. And that's okay. It's okay to not know how the situation is going to resolve. It's okay to not know where the provision is going to come from. It's okay to not know how long this thing is going to go on. It's okay to not know what tomorrow holds. It's okay to not know what people are thinking of you, if, if they're mad at you, if there's something you've done. It's okay. Sometimes the best answer to all of those questions is, I don't know. I don't know what, but I do know who. That's where peace comes from. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, focus on who you know, not what you don't know. Let not your heart be troubled. Man, the, the world is going to crush you, and you're going to be riddled with anxiety and frustration and fear if you're looking for it in all the wrong places. But when you can just simply say, in the face of all of those questions, I don't know. That's actually a maturing faith. See, a maturing faith in relationship with Jesus is about love and trust. It's about having time in private with him, knowing him. It's about surrender and it's about obedience. It's about going like, I don't, I don't know. Would, would me being all worried and anxious and wrought up about what's going on on the other end of that text message or that on-read Snapchat, like if it, if it would help for me to be worried about that, I would do, does it really help anything? No. <laughs> I don't know. That'll, that'll set you free when you begin to admit that you don't know, but you do know who. Now, not to be overly simplistic, because certainly there's going to be decisions you have to make in life and, and navigating in difficult circumstances you'll work through, but knowing Jesus and knowing who holds all of that, who holds your past, your present, and your future, knowing that God Almighty is for you and holds that, that is where you find peace. Amen, church? Focus on who you know, not what you don't know. So Thomas is like, we don't know where you're going. We don't have any, Jesus, how would we know how to get there? We don't even know where, where the destination, here they get out their phone and they're like, just tell me the address so I can put it in. Just tell me where you're going and I'll, and Jesus is like, you, you already know the way. Thomas is like, stop. No, I don't. Jesus says in verse six, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Famous passage, if you've never heard it, we're going to talk about it because you might be like, um, I've got some problems with that. Okay, let's talk about that. For those who've been in church for a long time, you hear that and you're like, oh, it's not necessarily just this standalone text that I, that I use when I'm discussing faith in Christ with an unbeliever or whatever, right? It's it's actually a statement that Jesus is saying to his disciples in a private, intimate setting because they're freaking out. And he's like, guys, listen, you're spinning. You're all wrought up in what you don't know. You don't know how to get there. You don't know where I'm going. You don't know the way, but, but yeah, you do. He's standing right in front of you. I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. It was meant to, to comfort people in, in a time of trouble. You see, when, when complexity, the complexity of life is swirling and there's just this storm of like 
unanswered questions, it actually helps dramatically. Have you ever noticed it to like, you're, tra- you're chasing like 10 different rabbits and you can't catch any of them. And Jesus is like, hey, just focus on this one thing. Your relationship with me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, like, like I said a, a moment ago, you might be hearing that and going like, that's, that's the kind of thing about Christians uh, that really drives me crazy. It's this whole exclusivity thing. And, and in a culture that's very, very inclusive and, and everybody should be included, in one hand, it's, it's, it's totally understandable. And we would say, well, of course. Every human being, the deepest need that we have as human beings is to be loved, to be accepted, to have a sense of belonging and identity and security, to have a sense of purpose, to be a part of a family, and to have a sense of dignity, right? That's the deepest need of every human being. The ironic thing is that is precisely what God is offering us in Jesus Christ. And yet there's this level of offensiveness about this exclusivity. See, God's intention for you is to meet all of those needs that that are deep within your soul that you can't find anywhere else in in this world. Why is it so offensive then? Why is it so offensive that Jesus is claiming to be the exclusive way to redemption, to salvation? It's it's offensive because at the core of every human being is, is the desire for us to be our own God. We don't want anyone telling us what to do. I'm certainly not gonna, God, God, I'm not doing it your way. I'm doing it my way. I want what I want. I'm going to be who I'm going to be. I'm going to do what I want to do. And you're just going to have to accept me. The problem, the offensive part of it is that it calls us to obedience and surrender. It calls us to get off the throne of our own hearts and to submit ourselves to Christ. Now, either that's a good move for you or it's not. What Jesus is saying and holding out is he's going, that's the best thing you can do. That's the way to life, to eternal life. But there's a power struggle. That's at the heart of it. Who will be God? Who will determine right and wrong? Who will determine what you should and should not do? Will it be you, people around you, the things of the world, the culture, or will it be Jesus Christ? What Jesus is saying here, this is kind of the second takeaway in verse 6, is he's saying it's a relationship with me. I am the way. There's so much you guys don't know. Look, you certainly don't see the bigger picture. Just like we're, we're at the table with Jesus, like we don't know. Number two is this relationship with Jesus is the exclusive way to inclusion. You understand that? Like God's desire and heart is not for you to be edged out. Like I don't care about you. I don't love you. I just, you just, you just need to know that I'm God and you're not. No, he's like, I know, I know what you need. I created you. I know the deepest needs of your heart. I know the longings of your heart. I I know that you need to be loved, accepted, to belong, to have identity and dignity and purpose and family. And I'm inviting you in. Here's the way into the family of God is through Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. Relationship with Jesus is the exclusive way to be included. He desires for your well-being. So this, this, this verse John 14, 6 is a great one. If you don't have it highlighted in your Bible, highlight it. 
I mean, it, this, th- th- what Jesus said here is like, okay. He's, he's claiming to be God. <laughs> I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to God except through me. That's what Jesus said. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. You either believe him or you don't, right? The way. So impactful was this statement that over in Acts 19, the church actually named themselves the way. You ever pick that up if you're reading kind of through scripture? The, the early church, the name of the early church was called the way. And it was because of what Jesus said here in John 14, 6. I am the truth, the, the truth. Now, if we stop and think about this idea of truth, truth is something that stands alone. Truth is not true because, because we believe it or affirm it. That would make us the source of truth. Truth is something that stands alone outside of us that's greater than us whether we believe it or not. Truth is not determined by what we believe. Truth is truth. Jesus is saying, I am the truth. The nature of truth itself is exclusive. I mean, that's not offensive. Anytime anybody makes a truth claim about anything, what you're saying is this is exclusively true and everything else is false. Because when something is true, it's exclusive. You can have a lot of things that can be false, but only one thing can actually be true. Have you noticed that's the nature of truth is it is exclusive. Jesus, Jesus in, in the book of John, John talks a lot about Jesus and him being the truth. In fact, the word for truth is used 55 times in the book of John or, or the variations of the word. Things like he's full of grace and truth. John testifies to the truth. Jesus is the true bread from heaven. His judgment is true. He speaks the truth. His spirit is the spirit of truth. Those who are of the truth listen to him. So John really does, I mean, he talks a lot about that 14.6 all through his writing, the way, the truth, and the life. The life from spiritual death or separation from God to life. He wants you to be included in the family of God. The various forms for the word life in the book of John are used 36 times in places like 1.4, he gives eternal life. He is eternal life. He gives life. He has the words of life. His followers walk in the light of life. He is the resurrection and the life. And eternal life is knowing God and Jesus whom he sent. You know, Jesus had to come as a human being and die so that he could conquer death with life. He is the way, the truth, the life. So yes, inherently in that passage is the exclusive claim of Jesus Christ. But again, it's in the context of, of comfort. It's in the context of, of settling a, a person's heart. You see, when there's so much complexity and so many layers, the best thing we can do is actually focus our mind on one singular thing. That's what Jesus is saying to them in this, like, hey, there's so much you guys don't know. You, you know the way. I am the way. He's talking about a relationship. So the relationship with Jesus is the exclusive way to inclusion. You might be like, well, man, doesn't like all paths, in the end, doesn't everybody kind of end up in heaven? In the end, doesn't everybody just kind of get there? 
Well, if, if there was all these different paths to God, why would God go to such great lengths to send Jesus? And why would Jesus suffer such great agony and crucifixion and death on a cross if there was multiple ways to get there? If it, in the end it didn't really matter anyways, why would God pay such a high price? It just doesn't make sense. That's what Jesus is saying. There is no other way. And it leads us to this question, who is he, really? Like, who is Jesus? And each person believes something inherently about that. C.S. Lewis, the great Christian apologist, argued this and actually kind of stood on the shoulders of those who'd argued before him. And to this day, we still argue this in culture, like, who is Jesus? You go around and ask, who is Jesus? You're going to get a lot of different answers. I don't even think Jesus actually existed. Okay, well, okay. I think Jesus was a great teacher. He seemed like a really good guy. I, I'm actually a fan of Jesus. I just am not really a Christian and I don't really go to church, but I love Jesus. And, and C.S. Lewis argued that it's like, you can't really do that because Jesus said things like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The, the, the pure exclusivity of Christ drives us to these places of, of, of answering the question, what do you really believe? And, and C.S. Lewis submitted that you could believe one of three possibilities of Jesus. The first is that he's a liar. He's a liar. Like, he, he knew what he was saying. He goes, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He's like, I'm just kidding, not really. You know, like, joke's on you. Like, he's, he's lying. The second would be that he's a lunatic, like he was saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and he really believed this in his mind, but he was just deluded and insane. He was nuts. So either he was lying, or he was nuts and insane, or, or the third possibility is it's actually 100% true, and Jesus is who he said he is, did what he said he was going to do. What do you believe? I mean, I think about Jesus looking Peter in the face, and he goes, who do you say that I am? Have you heard Jesus say that to you? Well, the question is on the table today. Who do you believe Jesus is? He didn't claim to show us the way. He didn't claim to be like, hey, here's a map. Good luck. I hope you get there. He claimed to be the answer to the human problem of sin. Now, either that is true or it's not. <laughs> There's really no other way. Either it's true or he's, he's nuts. What do you believe? What Jesus is, is holding out here, again, is a promise of peace and relationship that leads to an eternal home, an eternal security. The human condition is sin. The brokenness of this world is because of a broken relationship with our creator God. And Jesus is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When things are all wrought up and, and you're troubled and you're anxious and you're distressed and you don't know what's going on, focus on who you know, who you know, not what you don't know. And that takes us to verse 7. Jesus said, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And he goes on, and we'll, in the next few weeks, we're going to talk more about this as he begins to talk about the relationship with the Father. But what he's saying is he's going, I'm just like him. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father sent me. The Father and I are in perfect unity together. And in just a few short chapters here, he's going to talk about sending the Holy Spirit. 
and, and he was saying the Holy Spirit's going to be just like me. You're going to know him because you know me. See, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are in perfect unity together. They exist in perfect union. Jesus is saying, if you've seen me and you know me, you know the Father. He, I was sent by the Father, and I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Knowing Jesus, this is the third takeaway from this, knowing Jesus is, is knowing the Father. Jesus reveals the nature and the character. He wants you to know him. The Father wants to have a personal and intimate relationship with you. He wants you to be included in his family. It's interesting that Jesus always spoke of God as being Father. You know, in the Old Testament, you see the names of God and a lot of his different attributes uh, revealed in a lot of ways. And then Jesus has this one word that captures all of them, and it's Father. He's your perfect heavenly Father, and he wants you to be included in his family. But you see, we, under, we understand the, the parental dynamics. We understand what it means to have kids and, and what makes for a healthy relationship and what destroys family relationships. I mean, if your kids come to you and, and they're thinking only of themselves, right? They're like being rude or demanding or entitled, immature and greedy and angry. And, and you, you know, man, I want what I want. Well, I don't care about anybody else. I, I want what I want because I want it and I want it now, right? That's, that's the, the selfish nature of sin that exists in every human being. And when your kids act that way, you don't go, oh, sure, whatever, whatever you want. Like, you just let me know I'm here for you. More, more money? Okay. You want more ice cream? You got it. You want to stay up all night? Yeah, whatever you want, right? Like, no, we don't do that. We don't, we don't bow to the nature of selfishness and immaturity in our children, but then, but then why do we demand that God do that with us? And then accuse God of being hateful or, or exclusive. You know, you're trying to exclude. No, God's like, I'm showing you the way to inclusion. And how, how arrogant and selfish it, that we can be as human beings in our approach of God, rationalizing and justifying our sin. And Jesus is like, that's not the way. That's not the way. And rightfully so. Thank God that's not the way. Man, what a mess that would be. Jesus, Jesus is like, the way is through admitting and confessing and repenting of your sin that has fractured your relationship with your heavenly father and then believing that's the way to have a restored relationship with God. So let's just talk. We've, we've got a few minutes left. I want to just kind of talk about this idea of the relationship with the father uh, and this, this is a deep dive that we certainly don't have the time to get into today. Uh, back on April 16th, Pastor Brian shared a message out of, out of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said, he was talking about the final judgment, and he said, there's going to be many that say to me on that day, I did all these things, right? Cast out demons in your names, did all these signs and wonders, prophesied. You know which message I'm talking about? And then Jesus goes, I'm going to say to them plainly, depart from me. I never knew you. You see, the relationship with God is the journey and the destination. Heaven actually is restored relationship with God. It's not this place of awesome perfection and possessions in a mansion on a hill like Pastor Brian was talking about that's void of God. If that's heaven, you don't want that. 
for Jesus to say, I never knew you, what he was saying was, we have, we have no relationship with you. Over in Revelation, it says Jesus stands at the door and he knocks. Will you let him in? Does he know you? Do you have relationship with him? Do you know him? Does he know you? That's the whole point of all of this. Jesus is, is giving a, an eternal security and talking about their future hope of heaven and, and restoration. But he's also talking about our present relationship with our heavenly father. Father. Now, so many of the, the issues that we deal with in our culture, oh my gosh, and I'm 43 now, and <laughs> I was talking, yeah, that's old, isn't it? Somebody was whistling like, whoa, dang. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, you know, the, uh, the issues with our earthly fathers leave us in places of struggle and, and, and hurting. And, and then you might, have, you might have had a great father. Maybe your dad was awesome, but you know he wasn't perfect, right? Maybe your father was terrible to you, or maybe your father was completely absent. Here's the thing about relationships with our earthly father is that they have a deep impact on our lives because it's through our relationship with our father and our mother through our parents that we establish our identity. Who are we? And what am I worth? And am I loved? And where's my security? And where's my provision? And when family is bad and when fathers are dysfunctional or absent, it, there's, there's no base. It makes for a terribly, terribly insecure person. And so, we, and so we spend much of our lives, again, there, there's a spectrum, man. Maybe you had it like terrible. Maybe you had it really good. But you will find as you, as you go through life and as you struggle through things that, that it comes down to an identity crisis. Like, who am I? Where do I find my value? Where do I find my purpose? Where do I find my significance and my my provision, my belonging, like who am I really? Where does my dignity come from? Does it come from proving myself? Does it come from how much money I make, how big of a house I live in, how beautiful I am, how attractive I am? Does it come from my possessions? Does it come from the title or the position that I hold? Does it come from my, my, my friend group at school? Does it come from like, man, if that, if that guy leaves me on red, my world falls apart, right? Because I'm like, oh, oh they must be mad at me. Ah, ah, ah. I'm like, hey, when you know who you are in Christ, when your relationship is settled with your heavenly father and your value and your dignity and your identity comes from him, yeah, you'll go through stuff, but it's not, you're not gonna lose your peace. You're not gonna, you're not gonna freak out because, because you focus on who you know, not what you don't know. Where do you find it? Do you find it in your sexuality? Is, is who you are found in your sexuality? Is it found in your gender identity? No. Those are all things that we chase that we're wound up in and, and, and the culture is always telling us and the enemy is always telling us. It's like, this is what you need. This is who you are. If you do this, then you'll find happiness and you'll, your, your troubled heart will be at peace and this is, what you, this is who you really, this is who you are. And when you just accept who you are, then you'll be at peace. It's, I mean, there's, there's but man, that is a, there is a, a lie in that. 
And as human beings, we wrestle deeply, deeply with a sense of identity and belonging. And what Jesus is telling us here is he's saying you won't find restored relationship with the Father and in the Father and in relationship with your perfect heavenly Father, all of those, the deepest needs of your soul are met. They're met. It's not offensive for Jesus to say, I'm the way. It's actually an act of great mercy for us, is it not? He wants us to have those things. He wants us to have relationship with our perfect heavenly Father. So I want to I encourage you and challenge you in this. I mean, man, sometimes people live their whole lives and never, never get this. That it's like, I need to exchange the brokenness of my earthly father and the things that he either did to me, said to me, or didn't do for me out of his absence. I need to exchange all of that and let go and forgive that. And I need to receive my, my relationship with my perfect heavenly father. That's where peace comes from. That's where identity comes from. That's where you can, you can read what Jesus is saying and it makes sense. You get it. He's saying, hey, focus on who you know, not what you don't know. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. He's telling his disciples from now on, listen, in this moment, because you've seen me and you know me and because we can read the pages of scripture and we can hear Jesus, we can see him at work, we can know him personally because we see and know Christ, we can know our heavenly father and we can have reconciliation with him. Now in these next few moments, we're going to uh, not, not rush here. We're going we're gonna to sit and just be in God's presence for a while. And I want to challenge you. This, this might be uncomfortable, and, and that's okay. That's okay. Maybe there's some very, very deep issues that you've got, some, some struggles you've had around your, your identity, and your, your heart is so wrought up, and you're, you're distressed, and you're frustrated, and you're like, I just don't know. I don't know. And the best thing you can do in these moments is focus your mind and your heart on who you do know, and that's Jesus. Maybe there's some things that you need to begin to bring in in relationship to your heavenly father. And maybe you've never prayed this like, God, if you're really truly real and you want a relationship with me, I'm just gonna open up my heart. And by faith, in faith, I'm going to begin to just talk to you. I can, I can hear you. I can hear you knocking at the door of my heart and I'm not going to shut you out. I'm going to open it. I want you to know me and I want to know you. That's eternal life is to know Jesus. So let's pray as we, as we enter this time of, of just contemplation and reflection. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, we We just invite you into this room, Holy Spirit. We know that you're already here, but just invite you into our hearts. You know the the story of each person. You know the, the history. You know the damages, the struggles, the worry, the anxiety. And and Jesus, just like you spoke to your disciples at that dinner table, you're speaking it to us today. Hey, don't let your heart be troubled. I am the way. I'm the way. I just want to focus on our relationship with you, Jesus. You're the way. I pray for each person that, that 
the restlessness of the troubled hearts and the anxiety would be calmed and would be healed in your presence, even in these moments, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Go ahead and stay seated. And, and let's just make this these next few moments a place of, of personal intimacy and closeness. If you'd like to come forward and kneel at the altar, you can do that. If you'd like to stay in your seat, but just go ahead and stay seated and begin to really just bear your heart to your heavenly father. Let's sing this together.